At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash invention age. Starting now, you can get a transcript of each week's Rich Dad radio show. Just visit www.richdad.com slash radio and download a copy today. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello and welcome to the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and the bad news about money. I'm Kim Kiyosaki and I am hosting the show today and it is a very, very, very special show. You're going to want to listen to this show not one time, not two times, but probably three or four times because we have an incredibly talented guest today. So there's one thing I say often is that business would be really easy if it wasn't for people. (laughs) One of the hardest things in business is dealing with people. And that's going to be our topic today, especially this topic is especially great if you're a woman, if you work with women, or if you're a business owner and you want to grow your business, we're going to find out how to do that with in regards to people. And, you know, if you think that there are changes that need to be made in the business landscape, in the cultural landscape, if things are going amiss, and I I use that word, um, that's a little bit of an understatement. I think we need major, major changes with throughout our business world and our culture. And if you believe that as well, then this show is for you. Because, you know, at Rich Dad and at Rich Woman, we often talk about real teachers versus fake teachers. So a real teacher is someone who is practicing what they're preaching. So they're guiding you, they're educating you in things that they have actually done themselves. Whereas a fake teacher is somebody that tells you what to do, but they've never done it. Or they're giving you advice, but on things that they've never practiced. So we have a very real teacher with us today. Her name is Sally Krauchek. She is the CEO and co-founder of Elevest, an innovative digital investment platform for women, and she is the chair of Elevate Network. You may have this in your city, the Global Professionals Women's Network. And before that, you're going to love this, before becoming an entrepreneur, she was the CEO of Merrill Lynch Wealth Management. And if you know anything about Wall Street, there are not a lot of women in the role of CEO, and she's going to talk about that. She was also the CEO of Smith Barney and the CFO of Citigroup. Pretty nice credentials. So before we go any further, oh, and she does have a great, great book. I've actually read the entire book. It's called Own It, The Power of Women at Work. Sally, welcome to the program. Kim, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you. Oh, I'm excited because I love your book. Um, You and I are aligned on many, many pieces throughout this. Um, But let's start with you and give us a little bit of your background because it's very, very impressive. Yeah, well, the, you know, I, the, where do we want to start? Uh, yes. <laughs> I certainly had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of experiences. So originally from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, went to I know Charleston. My sister's in Charleston, and we have a beautiful. house We have a house an hour from Charleston. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful town. Beautiful city. Uh, but, you know, I wanted, when I was young, I wanted to go north, so I went all the way to the University of North Carolina. 
Um, and after I graduated, I thought, well, I'm going to keep going north um, and ended up moving to New York in part because my father forbid me from doing it. <laughs> oh, so you're one of the you're a rebel, too. Oh, you know, you know what the heck. Uh, went to Wall Street because it was the late 80s. It was 1987. And so that's what that's what you did. And of course, immediately ran right into the buzzsaw of the crash of 87 and ran into the buzzsaw of what was then and, and to some extent still is a pretty sexist environment. Um, refused to, as an investment banker, be thrown out. Um, just kept thinking, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to make it. And eventually discovered a path on Wall Street that I really loved, which was to be a research analyst and then to move into the wealth management business. I just loved it. I loved it. Um, so you would, when you when you would analyze these companies, so you were analyzing them to see whether it was a stock that you would recommend or a stock you wouldn't correct. recommend. Is that correct? Correct. Got it. And I tend to be a pretty uh, skeptical, you know, show me kind of gal. And so I ended up being negative um, in an era on Wall Street in which no one was negative, and so sort of made my name for myself as that woman who is negative. And happily was more often right than, than I was wrong. And so um, was given the responsibility of running the research business. It was called Sanford Bernstein. Made my name because I viewed the businesses we were in, um, a couple, you know, two of them, investment banking, which in which you have companies as clients, and the research business in which you have individuals as clients, as fundamentally in conflict, that if you were doing a good job for one, you weren't doing a good job for the other. I pulled us out of the investment banking business, different from everybody on Wall Street. Which was a, which um, was a huge move. Nobody wanted to do that at your company, right? Well, that was a huge I mean, risk. We, we lost millions of dollars. And I kept saying, yes, but you know, if, we're, if we're telling the companies to issue stock high and we want to retail, you know, our individual investor clients to buy the stock low, who am I serving? I don't understand. So we lost millions of dollars. Everybody said I was a dope. People said I was going to lose my job. And then the, uh, the uh, NASDAQ crash of the early 2000s happened, and the conflicts were revealed in emails that other firms had been saying, oh, well, you know, screw the little guy, um, not in those exact words. And I ended up on the cover of Fortune magazine as the last honest analyst. So that was a big, big deal um, in my life. I was then invited to run Smith Barney, which was part of City. Um, and the City Private Bank by Sandy Weil had a terrific run there up until the crash of 2007-2008 when I discovered that we had sold products to our clients that we believed were low risk but were high risk and that we believed would go down a few cents but went down all of their cents on the dollar. And this is, this is a and great I, story, Sally, because you, oh. as, an, as an analyst, you – thought that the, the stock would, if in a crash, would go down maybe eight cents on the dollar. That's and right. when the crash well, the happened, team, yeah, the team did. Yes. The team did. You know, and, and it wasn't evil people. It was just, you know, when you do research, you, you make mistakes. And I went through and said, who was trying to make more money from our client? Who was the evildoer? And I never found any. I just found some, some shoddy and faulty analysis. And our clients had, you know, some of their wealth, you know, a portion of their wealth wiped out. I went to the CEO. I said, this is our mistake. It just is. I know the small print says you can lose everything. The big print says low risk. Let's just partially reimburse them. He did not agree with that stance at all. And we went back and forth. It eventually went to the board. 
the board sided with me, but he fired me a couple of months later. So did he, did he, did uh, so he fire was, you because you, you were going against something that he didn't want to do and you got it through? Is that? He never said those words to me. Yeah. Uh, but his, the individuals around him did, yeah. that I was literally told to sit down and shut up. Literally told to sit down and wow. shut up. Wow, wow. So, uh, so this, is why, this is why I love this story, because, and we're going to go into the, the different traits of why women today especially mm-hmm. are such a valuable asset to businesses. Um, but you took a stand of, hey, we made a mistake. Our customers lost a lot of money. We need to own up to that mistake. That was it, and it cost me a lot. It, it cost me my job that I loved. Um, when the, not a lot of people were hiring, and it cost me a lot of money too. Yeah. Because, but it didn't cost um, you your soul. No, it didn't cost me my soul, but it did. It cost you know, as we say, a long afternoon. Yeah. Was, but I left. You know, I left feeling good about myself. Yeah. I was then. I thought you know the moment of redemption was offered the job about a year later to run Merrill Lynch, and I thought this is amazing. And um, you know, the business was imploding. The attrition rate amongst its financial advisors was, you know, close to 50%, meaning half of the advisors would have left over the course of a year. And it was just a mess. Uh, Bank of America bought it. And um, I was brought in to put together a team to turn it around. We did. And two years later, they, we were, they said, thank you for turning it around. Uh, goodbye. So that was, that was almost tougher for me because, the, you know, you get into a fight with your boss, you, you get fired, right? Yeah, that, right. It's not fun, but it happens. What was harder for me, and even to this day, I still think through it, if you're delivering good results, um, the, you know, getting getting reworked out when you're ahead of plan, your business is gaining share, um, it's growing, and other businesses aren't, you know, was an important lesson to me in the importance of having advocates and sponsors within an organization. Oh, somebody that's got your back. Results. You know it. The business results do not always speak for themselves. Yeah. Yes. And, and Sally, what was the business environment like um, at that time? And where do you see that needs to change? The, the business environment, to, you know, to, you know, look, it, it was sexist. Um, there was, you know, harassment that took place. It was known that, you know, the guys on the trading floor brought in the strippers and went to the strip clubs. And I wasn't everybody. In fact, it was you know, believe it or not, there were dwarf throwing parties. You would hear up in Jeez. Boston. Dwarf throwing parties. Oh, my gosh. Dwarf oh my throwing gosh. parties. I mean, you know, come on. Um, and, you know, I really thought, well, it is just better now. I mean, okay, we don't have a lot of women in senior roles on Wall Street, but that stuff isn't happening. And what, you know, the Me Too, you know, movement has opened individuals' eyes to is there is, still enough there's still too much of it going on i I hope it's not what it was i don't think it is what it was um but you know where it isn't all it it ain't fixed yet yeah like i go back to some of those movies on wall street and and all of the the high flyers and the drugs and the money and the women and uh that so they kind of got that right huh here's the issue you know it's 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 not as oh boys will be boys here's the issue the research tells us that when you have too many individuals of like who are like-minded, in this case, this particular case, this is white men. If you have too many people who are all like each other, they do not question each other enough. They tend to, in the case of white men, as research talking about on trading floors, they tend to show off for each other. Okay, the trading floors even today are 90% male. The financial advisors in the industry even today are 86% male, overwhelmingly Caucasian. All right. 
as I love to say, I love white men. I have been married to a couple myself. Uh, <laughs> you actually say, Sally, in your book, you say the, two, the 2008 economic crisis was not just greed, stupidity, and deception, but it was groupthink. It was groupthink. It okay. was groupthink. And we, I believe we can draw a direct line from the homogeneity and the level of the workforce and the level of comfort they had with each other and the fact they could finish each other's sentences with what I saw happen when I was on Wall Street, which was not enough attention to risk. Got it. Not enough attention to, you know, hey, this weird thing could happen. Right. Once again, this is Kim Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And we have a very special guest. We're talking with Sally Krawcheck. She is the CEO and co-founder of Elevest, chair, that she is the chair of Elevate Network. And she was the CEO of Merrill Lynch, CEO of Smith Barney, and CFO of City Groups, and also the author of Own It, The Power of Women at Work. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this thing called groupthink. We're going to talk about diversity. We're going to talk about how we make the business culture better and how you can implement it in your own business and in the company you work at. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Your financial education continues. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back to the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. This is Kim Kiyosaki. I am hosting today's show, and we have a very special guest, Sally Krauchek. She is the CEO and co-founder of Elevest. And Elevest is an innovative digital investment platform for women. We're going to talk a lot today about women and investing and the power of money in women's lives. And before becoming an entrepreneur, she was the CEO of Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, CEO of Smith Barney, and CFO of Citigroups. She's also the author of the book Own It, The Power of Women at Work. She is an incredible role model for women and especially young women who want to achieve everything they want in their life. Hey, when we were last talking, we were talking about um, that you said the economic crisis of 2008 was not just greed, stupidity, and deception, which it was, but there was another big problem called groupthink. You talk about the importance yeah. of diversity in a business and in a company. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's, it's cognitive diversity. It, you know, if you think about it, we go to an extreme to make a point. If I were to start a business and on my leadership team have my twin and my triplet and a clone of me and another clone of me and another clone of me, what's the point, right? I've just got me again and again. I'm not bringing in any additional insights, knowledge, background, experiences, et cetera. 
Um, you know, so if you have a leadership team that is all of one type, much as Wall Street does uh, today, or the investing industry does today, which can be a Caucasian male, you know, who went to a certain college, who had a certain level of training, et cetera, you have some cognitive diversity there, but not nearly as much cognitive diversity as if you go for all kinds of different backgrounds, perspectives, insights, et cetera, skin color and gender. And there's a lot of research that is piling up over the power of diversity that drives cognitive diversity, that drives better results. Because you take more things into account. And I saw that during the financial crisis, that individuals, hey, you know, hey, guys, this this crisis feels sort of bad, but it's a lot like the crisis. Oh, I remember the crisis. Oh, and I'm like, what? What cri-? You know, they were finishing, finishing each other's sentences because they had the same experiences. Instead of someone saying, wait a minute, maybe that's not the case. And they were wrong. Often they have been right, but the industry as a whole was wrong about the, the crisis. The second thing that having a non-diverse team does is it blinds you to opportunities. So a real example is the opportunity I'm um, looking towards with Elevest, so a digital investing platform for women. Women don't need their own investing platform, you might say. Hold on a second. Is it a coincidence that 86% of financial advisors are men? The industry has many more men as clients than women. Women don't invest nearly as much as men do. Women lose out on hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars of earnings over the course of their lives because they're not investing. Um, men leave their financial advisor at a single-digit percent rate in a given year. They're very happy with their financial advisor. Women leave in the year after their spouse's death at a rate of 70 to 80%, yes. right? Yes, You miss large business opportunities like, you know, women, <laughs> because you're building a product for yourself, right? which means that you may be leaving a bunch of people out. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you've said it, I say it, is that a woman cannot be completely free unless she's also financially free. And, oh. and, and we talk a lot about, you know, that women control these massive amounts of money that is at their fingertips. However, I believe most women, a lot of women, they're consuming that with that money. They're not investing with that money. Or, or they're saving with that money. Or they're again, saving. That costs them. They, they keep more of their cash in the bank. And, and there should be some cash in the bank. I mean, we all need... For emergencies, emergency yeah. But, but you, cannot save, you cannot save your way, your way to financial freedom. Absolutely not. Or even, you know, it doesn't even have to be freedom. How about just stability? Yeah. The stability to say, you know what? Take this job and shove it. You know what? You know, this relationship isn't working for me anymore. You know what? I want to start my own business. You know what? I want to take a trip around. You know, the you know what? You don't have to be financially, you know, you have to be wealthy or financially independent, but you do have to be financially stable. Yes. You have to understand. You have to understand the language of money. You have to understand how to invest. Why is it you think that women are so averse to investing? Because society has given us messages that are detrimental to us. A message that society has given us is it's tacky and unattractive to talk about money. Your parents told you that. My parents told me that. You know, fathers hand down investing tips to sons, but mothers and fathers do not to women. Society overall tells us it's tacky. An example, an example. Um, I don't, you know, I haven't gone on a date in a very long time, but back in the day when I dated, you know, you would have, you'd get naked with, you know, a potential partner um, on like the third date, okay? 
Can you imagine if on the third date you said to a potential partner, how much money do you make? What is your credit score? There would not be a fourth date. (laughs) You're right. That's absolutely right. Emotionally, physically intimate, well before we ever become financially intimate with someone. That's how money is the third route. In addition, society tells us boys are better at math than girls, which is not true. Investing is for males, not females, not true. Men are better investors than women, not true. You know, and, and we and they tell us we're risk averse, which is actually not true. We just want to understand risk. Well, we let's talk and let's talk it. about that. Let's talk about that because that's yeah. a big one, Sally. That women are risk averse because I I right. I've heard that all the time, and I think that's yeah. true in many ways. And I think that's a healthy thing because it, it yeah. forces us to do our homework. We do our research. They actually find that right. women women all women investment clubs actually outperform all male investment yes, clubs. Do. But here's what I would say. It's not risk aversion. It is risk awareness. Risk awareness. I like that. Is to understand risk before they take it. Gentlemen are more likely, our research shows us, to go on and get on in, right? Get on in and, and make the trade. Women want to understand in a language that is not standard deviation or alpha or beta or basis points what risk can be. We are the first ones at Elevis to build answers to that question. If the industry... TV shows are geared toward men, winning, outperforming, picking stocks, you know, having the feel on, you know, our friends over at CNBC have the feel of the NFL Sunday when you watch an investing show. Yeah, right, it's not right. not to women. Right. And then, the, 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 you know, the cherry on the, the top of the cake is the industry symbol is a bull. It is a phallic symbol. And so we receive <laughs> these messages. That this is this is for macho men, not for us, and it costs us. Yes, and you say that retirement savings crisis is actually a women a woman's crisis, and you know one of the statistics is that there of of the women living in poverty, three out of four are women. Yet, right. of those women living in poverty, eighty percent of them were not poor when their husbands were alive. No. Her husband passes away; she has no clue. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know where the money is. She doesn't know what she's got. She doesn't know where it is. Um, and oh, she ends up in poverty. I mean, you're reading now about women moving in together. Right. In their old right. Age, to be able to stay semi-independent. I mean, this thing is a crisis and, and a possible solution for us. You know, it's not always, um, you know, we, we're going to have to talk about tax increases or entitlement cuts. Not that we are these days, but, you know, solutions. But getting women more money getting more women more money. Yep, and getting them educated because they say that, you know, money is the number one source of stress. Women report that that's their number one source of stress is money, so why aren't they getting educated and doing something about it? And I really want to um, highlight your your platform, Elevest, um, because you are giving them information. You're giving them a place to discuss. You're ask, answering their questions that they're probably intimidated. I mean, there's a lot of jargon out there in the world of investing. Women get very intimidated. They get very overwhelmed. So, um, check out Elevest. It's a great platform. Thank you. Well, we built it based on thousands of hours of research with women. So it is the only platform that's built the way we like to invest. Yes. Um, and it's you know not some junior varsity. You know, I always thought it was for women. Our society tells us it has to be some junior varsity offering. It is, I think, the most sophisticated offering out there. But not we don't have to show off and use use a bunch of you know jargon. No. We can be very straightforward. But I want to make one other point. You, you talk about money being the number one source of stress. We did an Elevest money census. We interviewed a thousand women about money. On the flip side of money being the number one source of stress, money is also the act of investing 
and then how much you have invested, how much you have saved, are the top drivers of confidence in women. Yes. It's not their job. No. Nope. It's not what's going on in D.C. It's actually not their families. It's not their education. It is, are they investing, and how much have they invested? That confidence actually goes up. It's the number one source in the 20s, but it's even more important for women in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Once again, this is Kim Kiyosaki, The Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking with Sally Krauchek, CEO and co-founder of Elevest, an innovative digital investment platform for women. She's educating women about money, about investing, and how to do it. She's also the chair of Elevate Network, which is a global professional women's network. And before taking on her entrepreneurial adventures, she was CEO of Merrill Lynch Wealth Management. Oh, just a little small company. CEO of Smith <laughs> Barney and CFO of Citigroups for a nice little um, resume there. She's also the author of Own It, The Power of Women at Work. And her website, elevest.com. Um, Sally, one thing I love about your book, Own It, is that you, you kind of have this premise that the business world is changing so rapidly and if we keep doing things the same old way, a lot of companies are going to be out of business. But you say there is one asset that is not being recognized and not being utilized, and those are the, the innate traits that many women have. Can you just give me a synopsis, and then in the next section we'll go into that a little bit more? Yeah. So, um, so I actually am, am up to speed on this because I actually had a gentleman come up and mansplain this to me on Saturday night. <laughs> mansplain. It's, mansplain. It's, I like that. That should be the new word. Perhaps more equipped for the changing in the environment. business environment. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, women have great communication skills. Women are so relationship-oriented. Women are so, as we discussed, risk-aware. Women are so mission-oriented. He said, went through the women manage complexity so well. He went through the list, and I said, well, yeah, that's, I, wrote a, I wrote a book about this. He was not to be deterred because he kept mansplaining to me my own book. Uh, that was super. It's hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so Sally, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Sally Krauchek about the asset that women bring to business. If you're a business owner, if you work in a company, if you work with women, there is a probably some very big assets sitting around you that you're not taking advantage of and that can make a huge difference to performance, to bottom line, to your stock price, to everything. This could be the magic pill. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors have a great gift for you. Visit richdadadvisors.com and receive five free reports on business and investing success. Five free reports that can help you right now. And while there, check out the Author's Choice audio series. Audio is a great way to learn. And for as little as 99 cents, you can download key chapters from all the Rich Dad Advisor books. You can listen to The Myths and Magic of Real Estate Investing, Seven Steps to Limited Liability, The Four Pillars of Investing, Team Code of Honor, or The Psychology of Debt, among other great audios. For pennies, you can power up your skills for getting out of the rat race. So please visit richdadadvisors.com for your five free reports and your powerful and affordable audio chapters. That's richdadadvisors.com for great information that can help you right now. This is The Rich Dad Radio Show. 
the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome back to the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. My name is Kim Kiyosaki. I am hosting today's program, and it's a very, very special program. I recommend you listen to it again and again. You can listen to our podcast at richdadradio.com. I recommend you do that because there's a lot of information, and oftentimes you'll hear what you'll hear the first time. You'll hear something else the second time. So our guest today is Sally Krawcheck. She is the CEO and co-founder of Elevest, an innovative digital investment platform for women. She's also the chair of Elevate Network, which is a global professional woman's network. And before she took on these entrepreneurial ventures, she was the CEO of a small company named Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, CEO of Smith Barney, and CFO of Citigroups. And she's also the author of a fabulous book called Own It, The Power of Women at Work. I highly recommend it. And her website is elevest.com. So, Sally, we were talking about how women have innate traits that really can benefit this new changing business environment that we're going into. Can you just give us a synopsis of, of what those traits are and how they can be useful to anybody in business today? Yeah, what we find is that, that you know, women are not better than men. Men are not better mm-hmm. than women. On average, they tend to bring different traits in greater numbers into the workforce. So, and I think all this will sound familiar to you, um, relationship orientation. Women tend to bring that longer-term perspective. Men tend to be like a little bit shorter-term, women a little bit longer-term, neither good, neither bad, different and powerful when combined. Yes. Uh, women tend to use both sides of their brain um, when they're thinking through um, difficult situations. Men tend to make faster decisions. Women tend to make slower decisions but bring in more information. Women tend to be more mission-based. Women tend to be terrific communicators. So a, a range of things that women versus men tend to bring into the office. And what we see is when you combine those things, that's when you have a diverse workforce, cognitive diversity, and those teams tend to outperform teams that are all of one or the other. I mean, you know, if we take it to an extreme, right, if it's so, gentlemen, they're going to be very short-term this quarter. What are we doing this quarter with women? You take it to an extreme, and, you know, it, it, it's not this quarter, it's this year, next year. You know, we love to tease about that, but it's bringing it together where you have that right tension of short-term versus long-term. And you talked about that. that those are great examples from when you talked about the Falcon investment, when you were saying the, the investment lost so much money more than was predicted. Um, you were looking at the long-term of your company, you were looking at the relationship of your clients. Um, that all makes perfect sense. So, are you saying that we need more women in more advanced positions? We need more women in the workforce. Both, right? The you know, women um, have you know the the um, percent of women in the workforce has been declining in this country for yes. a period of time. Um, you and I can think of lots of reasons for it. One reason for it is that we are the only developed country in the world that doesn't have a mandated parental leave. Um, which is particularly challenging for women at lower um, socio on lower socioeconomic rungs because they get get it less than others do. Um, but you know we also need more diversity in senior leadership teams. That the research tells us that when there's greater diversity, in this case greater gender diversity, you have higher returns on equity, lower risk, greater innovation, more long-term perspective. A lot of great things happen 
when you have diverse leadership teams. And, and by the way, from my days when I was a research analyst, what's the number one question you know, investors ask, institutional investors ask, before they invest in a company, is the management team any good? And the answer you know, increasingly is, well, just look at the diversity. If they're diverse, they tend to be, quote, unquote, better than less diverse leadership teams. Yeah, and you say the power of diversity. Um, the, more, the more diverse teams outperform the smarter teams. Absolutely. And that was the moment that captured it for me. Um, I thought, yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, having grown up on Wall Street where we worship the almighty brain, yes. um, you know, and you just, oh, he's so smart, he's so smart, that's the ultimate compliment. Wait a minute, there's a characteristic that outperforms intelligence. I want to hear more. Yeah, we say, we say the A students work for the C students and the B students work for the government. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, your culture that you were came in to do in Wall Street was was the group think culture. And now we're, we have to shift. The ch- world is changing so quickly. And the the benefits of having a diverse team, of having diversity within your company, um, you talk about increased innovation, increased performance, better shareholder returns, all of this. How how do you build that diverse culture? It is difficult. Um, And let me tell you what doesn't work. What does not work is, hey, we have a meritocracy. And so, therefore, we're going to let the best people rise to the top. We're going to let our managers manage, and we are going to judge them on results. So what doesn't work is let your people manage because what ends up happening again and again and again and again is that our inherent biases that we don't even know we have mean that we hire people like ourselves, right? And that all the research in the world that tells us that hiring somebody different from us, you know, it doesn't matter when our intuition is incorrectly, our intuition is screaming, this this person who looks like me, talks like me, walks like me, you know, is the best person for the job, right? And what that's doing is it's telling you you're more comfortable working with that person, um, because it's much more uncomfortable to work with someone who's different from you. And, and is it, does this apply also to small business? Let's, we, have, we have many entrepreneurs listening right now, and is it the same approach for small business? Absolutely, it is. And, you know, I found it, you know, with Elevest, as we were building the first few people, again, you know, we immediately went to individuals who were like us. And, and I had to put my foot down, I was going to say literally put my foot down, but figuratively put my foot down at one point is that we are not hiring a single other white woman. For us, you know, of course, we overweight white women. Um, Not one more. You know, the next person we have, but it's hard and the talent pool, but it's fine, you know. But guess what? I'm the CEO, and the investors in this company who funded us are betting on me. And, you know, I've really got a pretty strong feeling we can find some individuals who don't look like us. But if we can't, we'll, just, we'll return the money. But I'm not building another business that excludes vast swaths of the population. I'm just not doing it. Well, and you say, too, that the diversity um, creates more pers- different perspectives. People come in with different perspectives. So here's a bigger question, Sally, is that the, con- the U.S. And, and all over the world right now, there's such divisiveness. And it's like groups are gathering together that are just like them. You know, they don't they people in college campuses, students, they want their safe places because they don't want to be challenged. They don't want that other perspective or that point of view. If you don't think like me and and sound like me, then I don't want to deal with you. 
How? What? What do you see on that on that scale? Well, you know, welcome to a narrow life. Yeah. If you uh, a comfortable, narrow, uninteresting life. Um, I, I'm trying to learn every day, and I'm trying to challenge myself every day, and I'm trying to be uncomfortable, you know, comfortable being uncomfortable yes. um, so that I can continue to grow. And my point of view has changed. You know, if I think about where I was a decade ago, um, this is a little inside baseball, but, you know, a decade ago I thought, you know, investing, there's only one way to invest. It was for the highest, you know, risk-adjusted return. Well, my changing, my, my thinking has moved that I believe today that one can invest in one's values as well as invest for the, the highest potential risk-adjusted return. So also you're talking a lot about, this is what I love too, is that there's a lot of opinions out there. People want to, want to say, tell all their opinions, oh, I believe this, I believe that. But when you deal with the facts and you get down to the facts and you look at the statistics, um, that's, where the, that's where the lights go on. Facts are stubborn things. Um, facts are stubborn things. Now, you can twist statistics, of course, but if you really try to be honest with yourself and bring in these diverse perspectives, I mean, this is, again, why diversity is so great, because your people are going to be telling you things um, you haven't heard before. In fact, you know, people often ask me, well, what about a co-founder? If you're starting a business, should you have a co-founder? Uh, my answer is, if you can, you know, if the business can is, is, has got enough potential to support one, absolutely. And by the way, um, that person should be as different from you as you can possibly find. And so I joke to the team at Elevis that my co-founder and I agree on nothing, right? <laughs> that's it's good. almost true. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And, and you know, if you're going to try to make one, you know, one of us, you know, both of us happy, good luck, which I think makes for a stronger leadership team because they know the chances of making both of us happy. Or <laughs> oh, I, to- I totally agree. We say, we say if you've got uh, two partners and they agree on everything, then one of you is unnecessary. <laughs> exactly right. So let me ask you this too, Sally. You, you've made a big leap, and, and some of our listeners are, are, th- are thinking about this as well, but you made a big leap from corporate world and very, very elevated corporate world into the world of entrepreneurship. How was that transition for you, and how did you begin to build your business? You know, I thought about it a lot before I did it, um, and I had the luxury because I've been, you know, reorged out of Bank of America. Um, I had some time, and I wasn't going. I was fortunate; I didn't have to jump into something right away. My my husband is employed, so we okay. Let me have a little bit of time, and I spent a lot of time first thing in the morning when I woke up. Last thing in the evening, over a glass of wine, when my defenses were sort of down, and, mm. and I wasn't, you know, in my armor, my daily armor, to think about what was important to me, and was having the big office important to me, was having the prestige of, you know, the car that had the company net important to me, and I really came to the conclusion that none of what was really important to me was having an impact and making a difference, and the great thing is that you can do that today at a small company as well as at a big company. And in fact, one might argue it's easier at a small company uh, because you can pivot quickly, because you can respond more quickly. Right. And so you got a lot of pushback from the start, I gather. Oh, sure. I mean, you definitely got a lot of what a cute idea. And for, for men and women, I mean, we, at the beginning, women were saying, how dare you? This is sexist. We don't need our own investing platform. We're not uh-huh. idiots. And what was really sad, it wasn't everybody, but what was really 
women had been socialized to believe that something that was built for them was inferior in some way. Interesting. Wow, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. And, you know, you said something else, Sally. You said that you had the luxury when you when you left um, the corporate world, when, when, when you left Wall Street, you had the luxury to kind of sit back and think about what it is you really wanted to do with your life. I'm going to say that's another argument for women to become financially stable, financially secure, and financially free. For, because for me, when I finally was financially free, and, and my formula for that, Sally, was that I had more money coming in from my investments than was going out in my living expenses. That was freedom. And it was the first time I could finally take that break and ask myself, what is it I really want to do with my life? And to have that moment and that time, um, that was priceless. And I think too many of us are are running in in this rat race and never able to ask that question to find out what's really meaningful to them and to, to live their life according to what's most meaningful and what's most purposeful. No doubt about it. And, and Kim, another important point is you can't do this in one sitting 30 minutes. No. Right. This, this is a, you know, a, a journey of discovery um, in which you have to almost peel away the layers. And, exactly. And maybe admit some things that society doesn't let you admit. I mean, I had a friend of mine who said, you know, and, and this is Wall Street, right? This is the investing industry. And this individual said, you know what I'm really motiv- motivated by? And I what? And it wasn't money, which you're allowed to say in the investing industry, and it wasn't power, which you're allowed to say in the investing industry. It was fame. And there was almost a shame around this for this individual to say it was fame. I think you'd say that in Hollywood. But it took him a while to get to, you know, this is what motivates me. Interesting. Interesting. It's a very introspective introspective way of doing it. And I'm just going to add one little thing, too, is I've been studying a bit about neuroscience. Um, and what they found is that we have all these, you know, billions of neurons in our head. And if we're not operating according to what's most meaningful to us and what's most purposeful, those neurons atrophy. And all of a sudden you're not motivated. You don't know what you want to do with your life. You, you're, you, you're not interested. It's everything is boring. It's hard. Life is tough, you know, hanging in there, all of that stuff. But when they, when somebody taps into what's most meaningful and where their purpose lies, those neurons start firing. They become excited. Life becomes more joyous. Um, everything is is just easier. So I think that's also a trait that many women, and I think men as well, um, if they could tap into that, would also increase their performance and their and their financial well being. So, um, last word, Sally. We have we could have talked forever on this. Um, there's oh. so much to. We just barely <laughs> scratched the surface. But any uh, final words for our listeners? Well, look, what, what I would say is in this, you know, this interesting moment we're in, um, finding what's really important to you, finding the way that you can have impact, finding the thing that just you can do, um, you know, matters these days. Yes. And um, money is part of it. Money is tacky for us to talk about, ladies, but money is power, freedom, independence, We don't have as much of it as the gentlemen do, and until we do, we will not be fully equal with the gentlemen, um, as we see from the the Me Too movement. Um, And so I think it's an important moment for all of us to step back and to, you know, really ask ourselves what matters to us, what kind of life we want to live, um, you know, and how we want to live it. Um, And I'm, you know, happy to tell you that after a lot of years and a lot of different roles, I have... I believe, found what I was put on this earth to do, which is a lot of fun. 
Very, very well said. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sally Krawcheck. Um, please check out Elevest, Innovative Digital Investment Platform, Elevest, E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T. Uh, Sally's website is elevest.com. And also get her book, Own It, The Power of Women at Work. And I'm going to say, Sally, you mentioned in the book that this is more for corporate women, and I'm going to disagree with you. I think this book is valuable for women and men because men also have to understand where women are coming from. And as a small business owner, so many there's so many insights in this book. So I'm going to say this is a book for everybody. Own it. The Power of Women at Work. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Sally. And when we come back, we're going into the Ask Kim part of our program where you get to ask your questions. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors have a great gift for you. Visit richdadadvisors.com and receive five free reports on business and investing success. Five free reports that can help you right now. And while there, check out the Author's Choice audio series. Audio is a great way to learn. And for as little as 99 cents, you can download key chapters from all the Rich Dad Advisor books. You can listen to The Myths and Magic of Real Estate Investing, Seven Steps to Limited Liability, The Four Pillars of Investing, Team Code of Honor, or The Psychology of Debt, among other great audios. For pennies, you can power up your skills for getting out of the rat race. So please visit richdadadvisors.com for your five free reports and your powerful and affordable audio chapters. That's richdadadvisors.com for great information that can help you right now. It pays to listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back to the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. I'm Kim Kiyosaki, and we have had an incredible program today with Sally Krawcheck. She is the CEO and co-founder of Elevest. I want to thank her for her time. Please check out elevest.com, and I want to recommend her book, Own It, The Power of Women at Work. And this is not just a book for women, and this is not just a book for corporate women. This is a book for entrepreneurs, for men as well, to understand how women think and how you can actually add more diversity to your team because stats have proven that the more diverse the team, the better the success. So we're now going to go into Ask Kim because Robert's not here. 
So we're going to ask him. And if you have a question, please submit your questions to Ask Robert or Ask Kim at richdadradio.com. And I really want to thank all of you for sending in your questions. Please send in your questions because then we get to see what's on your mind and we get to get a little bit of an insight as to where you are in your investment world and your entrepreneurial world. So, Melissa, what's the first question? Our first question today comes from Tia in Frisco, Texas. Favorite book, Rich Woman. Hey, Tia, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Our question is this. What is the best way and time do you feel it's best to ask someone you're dating about their financial situation? I'm dating a great guy. We each have kids from previous marriages. I'm worried about his financial situation due to his monthly child support and alimony responsibilities. I feel like we should talk now before we get more serious. Your thoughts? <laughs> That's a great question. Actually, Sally Krawcheck mentioned that, and she said how, how we women sometimes are so afraid to discuss it, especially when you're dating. And she said if on the third date you bring up the subject of how much money do you make, there may not be a fourth date. But I, did, I, I, I think it's very, very important because we actually did a program recently with Kathleen Kingsbury about having these tough conversations and that it's most so important for women to really speak up. And when it comes to money, hey, this is, you know, money is something we use every single day in our life. And when you're getting close to somebody and you're going to be sharing your life possibly with this person, you need to know where they are and they need to know where you are financially. And also, what is the mindset of money? So one thing I would recommend to Tia is to go play the cash flow game with her with her partner. And because the purpose of the cash flow game it really is to start discussion. And so you play this game. It's about investing. It's about managing money. Um, it's about an income statement and balance sheet. And it'll bring up the conversation. And it might be an easy way to flow into the conversation of, you know, let's talk about you and I. Maybe we should put our own finances on the scorecard and see where that leads. But um, I definitely, definitely think you should have that conversation sooner, not later. One last thing is that when Robert and I were first dating, um, money wasn't, wasn't necessarily a difficult thing. But one thing that we did do is we did this little exercise and we wrote down, Robert wrote down his top 10 values. And then on the other side of the card, he wrote down what he thought my top 10 values were. And I did the same. I wrote down mine and then I wrote down what I thought his were. And we compared, car we compared values. I guarantee you money's going to be on one of those values or something connected to money where, again, that can spur the conversation. So, Tia, I wish you well. And, yes, definitely bring up that subject of money and find out what the heck's going on. Next question, Melissa. Our next question is from Maria in Boston. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know it's important to have a strong mentor as I start my business. What is the best way to approach someone about mentorship and to establish these key relationships? Oh, that's a great Point. And actually, Sally goes into this in her book. She talks about mentors. She also talks about sponsors. And a sponsor, um, and this is more in maybe in the corporate world, but a sponsor is somebody that has your back. Basically, if you're going to, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with a tough, a tough situation, somebody that's going to stand behind you is a sponsor. But the importance of mentors, I have mentors for everything. I have a fitness mentor. I have an investment mentor. I have a business mentor. Um, I have mentors for personal development. Um, and the way I find them is as soon as, it seems like as soon as I start searching, they seem to pop up. And so I would say this to Maria is that you want to find a mentor who is a real teacher. And again, a real teacher is somebody that is doing 
what you want to be doing. So if you're building a business, I would find somebody who has built that same type of successful business and either they're in it today or they have built it and are moving on to something else. But you want somebody who's actually done it so that when you find yourself in a situation, because you're going to hit, you're going to have setbacks, you're going to hit the wall, you're going to come up against obstacles and problems. That's the purpose of an entrepreneur is to solve problems. Um, you want somebody who's been there and who's done it, who can really relate to what you're going through. So I would just simply start looking for somebody who is doing what it is you want to do, building the kind of business you want to build. And you will be surprised how often if somebody just comes up, if you just go up and ask somebody for some advice, how willing they are to offer their advice and to mentor someone starting out in business. Because most entrepreneurs really want to encourage and support other entrepreneurs, especially young aspiring entrepreneurs. Thanks, Maria. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Marin in Provo, Utah. Favorite book, Rich Woman. Yay, Marin, thank you. She says, Kim, I know you and Robert are partners in every sense of the word. When my husband and I first got married, he handled all our finances. Through financial education, I now want to have a more active role in our financial investments and decisions. However, Every time I approach him about it, we argue. How do I get him to loosen up his grip on our money and let me in on knowing exactly where we stand financially? Marin, that's the million-dollar question. <laughs> you win the million-dollar question. It can be a real touchy subject, and don't back off, but maybe look at asking him. Just keep dripping it. Keep asking. Don't, don't back off. Um, maybe understand why he's so reluctant to share, you might just ask them, you know, every time we, I bring this up, there seems to be an argument. Um, I really need to understand where we are financially. If something were to happen to you, the husband, and all of a sudden I'm on my own, I have no idea what we have. Um, he may feel threatened. A lot of times men feel threatened that maybe they're doing something wrong or, you know, why are you questioning me? So it's a touchy subject, but just handle it a little bit, I guess, with kid gloves. I, again, I could also recommend the cash flow board game, but even getting him to play that game might be tricky. But just explain why it's so important to you. I think that's a key role. Don't back off. Just keep dripping it, and eventually I think he will probably come around. But let him know it's very, very important to you. And if he was to disappear then what about doesn't he want the best for you? And again, I want to thank our guest, Sally Krauchek, co-founder, CEO of Elevest. Please check out elevest.com and chair of Elevate Network. You might look in your uh, neighborhood here in the U.S. Uh, for an Elevate Network in your city. And again, thank you all for listening. Thank you for your questions. Again, send as many questions as you want. We appreciate that. And you can submit your questions to Ask Robert or Ask Kim at richdadradio.com. So I thank you all for listening. Go out there and make it a better world.